As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was good? But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Hello and welcome. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. And today I am beginning a new series of reading episodes. So thank you to everyone who listens on Spotify and voted in that poll. It was really helpful and fun. Um, so you all picked The Fall of Troy, which like I kind of expected um, and was looking forward to. So thanks for just confirming all of my guesses about you all. It's an old translation, very stuffy, like the past ones we've been working with, but I'm doing my best and I've already recorded it by the time I'm recording this. And I can tell you right now, it is so much fun. It's so much fun. It's really great, uh, really fun to read. And I'm really excited to dive straight into the series. This Roman adaptation of what we presume to be the lost Greek myth of the end of the Trojan War and the only source we really have in terms of literature when it comes to the Trojan horse. Wild. But it's also very long, so let's just get right in. 
This is Quintus Smyrnaeus's The Fall of Troy, translated by A.S. Way. When godlike Hector, by Achilles slain, passed, and the pyre had ravined up his flesh, and earth had veiled his bones, the Trojans then tarried in Priam's city, sore afraid before the might of stout-hearted Iacus's son, as kind they were, that amidst corpses shrink from faring forth to meet a lion grim, but in dense thickets terror-huddled cower. So in their fortress shivered these to see that mighty man. Of those already dead, they thought of all whose lives he reft away, as by Scamander's outfall on he rushed, and all that in mid-flight to that high wall he slew, how he quelled Hector, how he hailed his corpse around Troy, yes, and of all beside laid low by him since that first day whereon over restless seas he brought the Trojans' doom. Ah, uh, all these they remembered, while they stayed thus in their town, and over them anguished grief hovered, dark-winged, as though that very day all Troy with shrieks were crumbling down in fire. Then from Thermodon, from broad-sweeping streams, came, clothed upon with beauty of goddesses, Penthesilea came a thirst, indeed, for groan-resounding battle, but yet more fleeing abhorred reproach and evil fame, lest they of her own folk should rail on her because of her own sister's death, for whomever her sorrows waxed, Hippolyta, whom she had struck dead with her mighty spear, not of her will, it was at a stag she hurled. So came she to the far-famed land of Troy, yes, and her warrior spirit pricked her on of murder's dread pollution thus to cleanse her soul, and with such sacrifice to appease the awful ones, the Arenaways, who in wrath for her slain sister straightway haunted her unseen, forever round the sinner's steps they hover. None may escape those goddesses. And with her followed twelve beside, each one a princess, hot for war and battle grim, far famous each, yet handmaids unto her, Penthesilea far outshone them all. As when in the broad sky amidst the stars the moon rises over all preeminent, when through the thunderclouds the cleaving heavens open, when sleep the fury-breathing winds, so peerless was she amid that charging host. Cloney was there, Polymusa, Dorinoe, Evandri, and Antandri, and Bremusa, Hippothoe, dark-eyed Harmothoe, Alcibi, Derimachea, and Tibrote and Thermodusa, glorying with her spear. All these to battle fared with warrior-souled Penthesilea, 
Even as when descends dawn from Olympus's crest of adamant, dawn, heart exultant in her radiant steeds amidst the bright-haired hours, and over them all, how flawless fair soever these may be, her splendor of beauty grows preeminent. So peerless amid all the Amazons unto Troy town Penthesilea came, to right to left from all sides hurrying thronged the Trojans, greatly marveling when they saw the tireless war-god's child, the mailed maid, like to the blessed gods, for in her face glowed beauty glorious and terrible. Her smile was ravishing beneath her brows, her love and kindling eyes shone like to the stars, and with the crimson rose of shamefastness, bright were her cheeks, and mantled over them unearthly grace with battle prowess clad. Then joyed Troy's folk, despite past agonies, as when, far gazing from a height, the hinds behold a rainbow spanning the wide sea, when they be yearning for the heaven-sent shower, when the parched fields be craving for the rain, then the great sky at last is over-gloomed, and men see that fair sign of coming wind and imminent rain, and seeing, they are glad— who for their cornfields plight sore side before. Even so the sons of Troy, when they beheld there in their land Penthesilea, dread of fire for battle, were exceedingly glad. For when the heart is thrilled with hope of good, all smart of evil's past is wiped away. So after all his sighing and his pain, gladdened a little while was Priam's soul. As when a man who hath suffered many a pang from blinded eyes, sore longing to behold the light, and if he may not, fain would die, then at last, by a cunning leech's skill, or by a god's grace, sees the dawn rose flush, sees the mist rolled back before his eyes, Yes, though clear vision comes not as old, yet after all his anguish joys to have some small relief, albeit the stings of pain prick sharply yet beneath his eyelids, so joyed the old king to see that terrible queen. The shadowy joy won in anguish whelmed for slain sons, into his halls he led the maid, and with glad welcome honored her as one who greets a daughter to her home returned from a far country in the twentieth year, and set a feast before her, sumptuous as battle-glorious kings, who have brought low nations of foes, array in splendor of pomp, with hearts in pride of victory triumphing. And gifts he gave her costly and fair to see, and pledged him to give many more, so she would save the Trojans from the imminent doom. And from she such deeds she promised as no man had hoped for, even to lay Achilles low, to smite the wide host of the Argive men, and cast the brands red flaming on the ships. Ah, fool! But little knew she him, the lord of ashen spears, how far Achilles's might in warrior-wasting strife overpassed her own. 
But when Andromache, the stately child of King Etion, heard the wild queen's vaunt, low to her own soul bitterly murmured she, Ah, hapless, why with arrogant heart do you speak such great, swelling words? No strength is yours to grapple in fight with Peleus's aweless son. No, doom and swift death shall he deal to you. Alas for you, what madness thrills your soul? Fate and the end of death stand hard by you. Hector was mightier far to wield the spear than you, yet was for all his prowess slain, slain for the bitter grief of Troy, whose folk the city through looked on him as a god. My glory and his noble parents' glory was he while yet he lived. Oh, that the earth over my dead face has been mounded high, or ever through his throat the breath of life followed the cleaving spear. But now have I looked... Woe is me, on grief unutterable, when round the city those fleet-footed steeds hailed him, steeds of Achilles, who had made me widowed of mine hero husband, made my portion bitterness through all my days. So spoke Etion's lovely ankled child, low to her own soul, thinking on her lord. So evermore the faithful-hearted wife nursed for her lost love undying grief. Then in swift revolution, sweeping round into the ocean's deep stream, sank the sun, and daylight died. So when the banqueters ceased from the wine cup and the goodly feast, then did the handmaids spread in Priam's halls for Penthesilea, dauntless-souled, the couch heart-cheering, and she laid her down to rest, and slumber mist-like overveiled her eyes, depths with sweet dew dropping round. From heaven's blue slid down the might of a deceitful dream at Pallas's hest, that so the warrior maid might see it, and become a curse to Troy and to herself, when strained her soul to meet the whirlwind of the battle. In this wise the trito-born, the subtle-souled contrived, stood over the maiden's head with that baleful dream in likeness of her father, kindling her fearlessly front to front to meet in fight fleet-foot Achilles. And she heard the voice, and all her heart exulted, for she weened that she should on that dawning day achieve a mighty deed in battle's deadly toil. A fool who trusted for her sorrow a dream out of the sunless land, such as beguiles full oft the labor-burdened tribes of men, whispering mocking lies in sleeping ears, and to the battle's labor lured her then. But when the dawn, the rosy-ankled, leaped up from her bed, then, clad in mighty strength of spirit, suddenly from her couch up rose Penthesilea. Then did she array her shoulders in those wondrous-fashioned arms given her of the war-god. First she laid beneath her silver-gleaming knees the greaves fashioned of gold, close-clipping the strong limbs, her rainbow-radiant corslet clasped she then about her, and around her shoulders slung with glory in her heart the massy brand whose shining length was in a scabbard sheathed of ivory and silver. Next her shield unearthly splendid caught she up, whose rim swelled like the young moon's arching chariot rail when high over ocean's fathomless flowing stream she rises, with the space half-filled with light between her bowing horns. 
so did it shine unutterably fair. Then on her head she settled the bright helmet overstreamed with a wild mane of golden glistening hairs. So stood she, lapping about with flaming mail in semblance like the lightning, which the might, the never-wearied might of Zeus, to earth hurls. What time he shows forth to men fury of thunderous roaring rain, or swoop resistless of his shouting host of winds, then in hot haste forth of her bower to pass caught she two javelins in the hand that grasped her shield band, but her strong right hand laid hold on a huge halberd sharp of either blade which terrible heiress gave to Ares's child to be her titan weapon in the strife that ravages souls of men. Laughing for glee, thereover swiftly flashed she forth the ring of towers. Her coming kindled all the sons of Troy to rush into the battle forth which crowns men with glory. Swiftly all hearkened her gathering and thronging came champions, yes, even such as theretofore shrank back from standing in the ranks of war against Achilles, the all-ravager. But she, in pride of triumph on, she rode thronged on a goodly steed and fleet, the gift of Orithea, the wild north wind's bride, given to her guest the warrior maid, what time she came to Thrace, a steed whose flying feet could match the harpy's wings. Riding thereon, Penthesilea in her goodly head left the tall palaces of Troy behind. And ever were the ghastly-visaged fates, thrusting her on into the battle, doomed to be her first against the Greeks, and last, to right to left, with unreturning feet, the Trojan thousands followed to the fray, the pitiless fray, that death-doomed warrior maid. Followed in throngs, as follow sheep the ram that by the shepherd's art strides before all, so followed they, with battle-fury-filled, strong Trojans and wild-hearted Amazons, and like Tritonus seemed she, as she went to meet the giants, or as flashes far through war-hosts Eris, waker of onset shouts, so mighty in the Trojans' midst she seemed, Penthesilea of the Flying Feet. Then unto Cronos's son, Laomedon's child, upraised his hands, his sorrow-burdened hands, turning him towards the sky, encountering fane of Zeus of Ida, who with sleepless eyes looks ever down on Ilium. And he prayed, Father, give ear, vouchsafe that on this day Achaea's host may fall before the hands of this our warrior queen, the war god's child, and do you bring her back unscathed again unto my halls. We pray you by the love you bear to Ares of the fiery heart, your son, yes, to her also, is she not most wondrous like the heavenly goddesses? And is she not the child of your own seed? Pity my stricken heart with all. You know all agonies I have suffered in the deaths of dear sons whom the fates have torn from me by Argive hands in the devouring fight compassionate us, while a remnant yet remains of noble Dardanus's blood, while yet this city stands unwasted. 
Let us know from ghastly slaughter and strife one breathing space. In passionate prayer he spoke, low with shrill scream, swiftly to left, an eagle darted by, and in his talons bare a gasping dove. Then round the heart of Priam all the blood was chilled with fear. Low to his soul he said, never shall I see return alive from war, Penthesilea. On that self-same day the fates prepared his boding to fulfill, and his heart broke with anguish of despair. Marveled the Argives far across the plain, seeing the hosts of Troy charge down on them, and amidst them Penthesilea, Ares's child. These seemed like ravening beasts that mid the hills bring grimly slaughter to the fleecy flocks, and she, as a rushing blast of flame, she seemed, that maddens through the copses, summer-scorched, when the wind drives it on, and in this way spoke one to the other in their mustering host, who shall this be who thus can rouse to war the Trojans, now that Hector has been slain? These who, we said, would nevermore find heart to stand against us? Lo, now, suddenly forth are they rushing madly afire for fight. Sure, in their midst some great one kindles them to battle's toil. You verily would say this were a god. Of such great deeds he dreams. Go to with all is courage, let us arm our own breast, let us summon up our might in battle fury. We shall lack not help of gods this day to close in fight with Troy. So cried they, and their flashing battle gear cast they about them. Forth the ships they poured, clad in the rage of fight as with a cloak. Then front to front their battles closed, like beasts of raven, locked in tangle of gory strife, clanged their bright mail together, clashed the spears, the corslets, and the stubborn-wielded shields, and adamant helms, each stabbed at others' flesh with the fierce brass, was neither ruth nor rest, and all the Trojan soil was crimson red. Then... First Penthesilea smote and slew Molion, now Persinus falls, and now Elysus reeled Antithius beneath her spear, the pride of Lernus quelled she down, she bore Hippolymus beneath her horse's hooves, Hymon's son died, withered stalwart Elasipus's strength, and Derinoe laid low Laogonus, and Cloney Menippus, him who sailed long since from Phylaki, led by his lord Protisilaus to the war with Troy. Then was Podarches, son of Iphiclus, heart wrung with ruth and wrath to see him lie dead of all the battle comrades best beloved. Swiftly at Cloney he hurled, the maid fair as a goddess, plunged the unswerving lance between hip and hip, and rushed the dark blood forth after the spear, and all her bowels gushed out. Then wroth was Penthesilea through the brawn of his right arm, she drove the long spear's point. She shore between the great blood-brimming veins, and through the wide gash of the wound the gore spurted, 
and crimson fountain. With a groan backward he sprung, his courage wholly quelled by bitter pain and sorrow and dismay, thrilled as he fled his men of Philaki. A short way from the fight he reeled aside and in his friend's arms died in little space. Then with his lance Idomeneus thrust out and by the right breast stabbed Bramusa, stilled forever was the beating of her heart. She fell as falls a graceful shafted pine hewn mid the hills by woodmen, heavily sighing through all its boughs it crashes down. So with a wailing shriek she fell, and death unstrung her every limb, her breathing soul mingled with the multitudinous sighing winds. Then, as Evander threw the murderous fray with Thermodusa rushed, stood Marinoes, a lion in the path, and slew. His spear right to the heart of one he drove, and one stabbed with a lightning sword thrust between the hips. He leaped through the wounds the life and fled away. Oileus's fiery son smote Derinoe in the throat and shoulder with his ruthless spear. And on Alcibi, Tydeus's terrible son swooped, and on Derimachia, head with neck clean from the shoulders of these two, he shore with ruin reeking brand. Together down fell they, as young calves by the massy axe of brawny flesher felled, that shearing through the sinews of the neck lops life away. So by the hands of Tydeus' son laid low upon the Trojan plain, far, far away from their own highland home, they fell. Nor these alone died for the might of Sthenelus down on them hurled Cabirus's corpse, who came from Sestos keen to fight the Argive foe, but never saw his fatherland again. Then was the heart of Paris filled with wrath for a friend slain. Full upon Sthenelus aimed he a shaft death-winged, yet touched him not despite his thirst for vengeance. Otherwise the arrow glanced aside and carried death whither the stern fates guided its fierce wing and slew Evanor, brazen-tasseled, who from Delicium came to war with Troy. For his death-fury kindled was the son of haughty Phileus. As a lion leaps upon the flock, so swiftly rushed he all shrank huddling back before that terrible man. Itimonius he slew, and Hippasus' son Agelaus from Miletus brought they war against the Danaean men by Nastes led, the godlike, and Amphimachus mighty-souled. On Mycale they dwelt, beside their home rose Latmuses, snowy crests stretched the long glens of branches, and Panormus's water meads meanders, Flood-deeped rolling swept thereby, which from the Phrygian uplands, pastured over by myriad flocks around a thousand forelands curled, swirls and drives his hurrying ripples on down to the vine-clad land of Carrion men. These mid the storm of battle Megis slew, nor these alone, but whomsoever his lance black-shafted touched were dead men. For his breast the glorious Trito born with courage thrilled to bring to all his foes the day of doom. 
and Polypetes, dear to Ares, slew Drasaeus, whom the nymph Niera bare to passing wise Theodamus, for these gods bred was the bed of love beside the foot of Sipolis, the mountain where the gods made Niobe a stone rock, wherefrom tears ever stream. High up the rugged crag bows as one weeping, weeping waterfalls cry from far echoing Hermes, wailing moan of sympathy, the sky encountering crests of Sipolis where away floats a mist hated of shepherds. Echo back the cry, weird marvel seems that rock of Niobe to men that pass with feet fear goaded. There they see the likeness of a woman bowed, in depths of anguish, sobbing, and her tears drop as she mourns, grief-stricken endlessly. Yes, you would say that verily so it was, viewing it from afar, but when hard by you stand, all the illusion vanishes. And lo, a steep-browed rock, a fragment rent from Sipolis, yet Niobe is there. The dead of wrath devire, a broken heart in guise of shattered stone. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Jean! Eugene Fodor! Jean, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Jean, and the last star on the business. I understand now. It's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Jean! Run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. 
Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. of that desperate fray stalked slaughter and doom. The incarnate onset shout raved through the rolling battle. At her side paced death, the ruthless, and the fearful fates. Beside them strode and in red hands bare murder and the groans of dying men. That day the beating of full many a heart, Trojan and Argive, was forever stilled, while roaring the battle round them, while the fury of Penthesilea fainted not nor failed, but as amid long ridges of lone hills a lioness, stealing down a deep ravine, springs on the kine with lightning leap, a thirst for blood, wherein her fierce heart revels. So on the Danaeans leapt that warrior maid, and they, their souls, were cowed, Backward they shrank, and fast she followed, as a towering surge chases across the thunder-booming sea a flying bark, whose white sails strain beneath the wind's wild buffering, and all the air maddens with roaring, as the rollers crashed on a black foreland looming on the lee where long reefs fringe the surf-tormented shores, so chased she, and so dashed the ranks asunder triumphant, sold and hurled fierce threats before. You dogs, this day for evil outrage done to Priam shall you pay. No man of you shall from my hands deliver his own life and win back home 
to gladden parents' eyes or comfort wife or children, you shall lie dead, ravened on by vultures and by wolves, and none shall heap the earth mound over your clay. Where skulks now the strength of Tydeus' son, and where the might of Iacus's scion? Where is Ajax's bulk? You vaunt them, mightiest of men of all your rabble. Ha! They will not dare with me to close in battle, lest I drag forth from their fainting frames their craven souls. Then, heart-uplifted, leapt she on the foe, resistless as a tigress, crashing through ranks upon ranks of Argives, smiting now with that huge halberd, massy-headed, now hurling the keen dart while her battle-horse flashed through the fight, and on his shoulder bore quiver and bow death-speeding. Close to her hand, if mid that revel of blood she willed to speed the bitter-biting shaft. Behind her swept the charging lines of men, fleet-footed, friends and brethren of the man who never flinched from close death grapple, Hector, panting all the hot breath of the war-god from their breasts, all slaying Danians with the ashen spear who fell as frost touched leaves in autumn fall one after another, or as drops of rain, and I went up a moaning from earth's breast, all blood bedrenched and heaped with corpse on corpse. Horses pierced through with arrows or impaled on spears were snorting forth their last of strength with screaming neighings. Men with gnashing teeth biting the dust lay gasping, while the steeds of Trojan charioteers stormed in pursuit, trampling the dying mingled with the dead, as oxen trample corn in threshing floors. Then one exulting boasted mid the host of Troy, beholding Penthesilea rush on through the foe's array, like the black storm that maddens over the sea, what time the sun allies his might with winter's goat-horned star. And thus, puffed up with vain hope, shouted he, O friends, in manifest presence down from heaven, one of the deathless gods this day has come to fight the Argives, all of love for us, yes, and with sanction of almighty Zeus, he whose compassion now remembers haply strong-hearted Priam, who may boast for his a lineage of immortal blood. For this I trow no mortal woman seems, who is so aweless, daring, who is clad in splendor, flashing arms. No, surely she shall be Athena, or the mighty-souled Enyo, haply Eris, or the child of Leto, world-renowned. Oh, yes, I look to see her hurl amid yon Argive men, mad shrieking slaughter. See her set aflame those ships wherein they came long years agone, bringing us many sorrows. Yes, they came bringing us woes of war intolerable. Ha! To the homeland, Hellas, never shall these with joy return, since gods on our side fight. And overweening exultation so vaunted a Trojan. Fool, he had no vision of ruin onward rushing upon himself and Troy and Penthesilea's self withal. For not as yet had any tidings come of that wild fray to Ajax's stormy soul, nor to Achilles, waster of tower and town. 
But on the grave mound of Manisha's son, they too were lying, with sad memories of a dear comrade crushed, and echoing each one the other's groaning. One it was of the blessed gods who still was holding back these from the battle tumult far away, till many Greeks should fill the measure up of woeful havoc, slain by Trojan foes and glorious Penthesilea, who pursued with murderous intent their rifled ranks, while ever waxed her valor more and more, and waxed her might within her. Never in vain she aimed the unswerving spear thrust. Ah, she pierced the backs of them that fled, the breasts of such as charged to meet her. All the long shaft dripped with streaming blood. Swift were her feet as wind as down she swooped. Her aweless spirit failed for weariness, nor fainted. But her might was adamantine. The impending doom which roused unto the terrible strife. Not yet Achilles clothed her still with glory. Still aloof the dread power stood, and still would shed splendor of triumph over the death ordained. But for a little space ere it should quell that maiden beneath the hands of Iacus's son. In darkness ambushed with invisible hand, ever it thrust her on and drew her feet to destruction ward, and lit her path to death with glory, while she slew foe after foe. And when within a dewy garden close, longing for its green springtide freshness, leaps a heifer, and there rings to and fro when none is by to stay her, treading down all its green herbs and its wreath of bloom, devouring greedily thus, and marring that with trampling feet. So ranged she, Ares's child, through reeling squadrons of Achaea's sons, slew these and hunted those in panic rout. From Troy afar, the women, marveling, gazed at the maid's battle prowess. Suddenly, a fiery passion for the fray has seized Antimachus's daughter, Meniptolemus's wife, Tisiphone. Her heart waxed strong and filled with lust of fight. She cried to her fellows all with desperate daring words to spur them on to woeful war by recklessness made strong. Friends, let a heart of valor in our breasts awake. Let us be our like our lords who fight with foes for fatherland, for babes, for us, and never pause for breath in that stern strife. Let us too throne war's spirit in our hearts. Let us too face the fight which favors none. For we, we women, be not creatures cast in diverse mold from men. To us is given such energy of life as stirs in them. Eyes have we like to theirs, and limbs throughout fashioned we are alike. One common light we look on, and one common air we breathe with like food we are nourished. No, wherein have we been dowered of God more than men? Then let us shrink not from the fray, see you not yonder a woman far excelling men in the grapple of fight? Yet is her blood nowise akin to ours, nor fights she for her own city, for an alien king she wars of her own heart's prompting, fears the face of no man, for her soul is thrilled with valor and with spirit invincible. But we, to right to left, lie woes on woes about our feet. 
This morn's beloved sons, and that a husband who for hearth and home is died. Some wail for fathers now no more. Some grieve for brethren and for kinsmen lost. Not one but has some share in sorrow's cup. Behind all this a fearful shadow looms, the day of bondage. Therefore flinch not you from war, O oh, sorrow-laden. Better far to die in battle now than afterwards hence to be hailed into captivity. To alien folk, we and our little ones in the stern grip of fate, leaving behind a burning city and our husband's graves. So cried she, and with passion for stern war thrilled all those women, and with eager speed they hasted to go forth without the wall mail clad, a fire to battle for their town and people. All their spirit was aflame, as when within a hive, when winter tide is over and gone, loud hum the swarming bees, what time they make them ready forth to fare to bright flower pastures, and no more endure to linger there within. But each to other cries the challenge cry to sally forth, even so bestirred themselves the women of Troy, and kindled each her sister to the fray. The weaving wool, the distaff far they flung, and to grim weapons stretched their eager hands. And now without the city these had died in that wild battle, as their husbands died and the strong Amazons died, and had not one voice of wisdom cried to stay their maddened feet, when with dissuading words Theano spoke. Wherefore, ah, uh, wherefore, for the toil and strain of battle's fearful tumult, do you yearn, infatuate ones? Never your limbs have toiled in conflict yet, in utter ignorance, panting for labor, unendurable. You rush on, all unthinking, for your strength can never be as that of Danian men, men trained in daily battle." Amazons have joyed in ruthless fight in charging steeds from the beginning all the toil of men do they endure, and therefore evermore the spirit of the war god thrills through them. They fall not short of men in anything. Their labor-hardened frames make great their hearts for all achievement. Never faint their knees nor tremble. Rumor speaks their queen to be a daughter of the mighty lord of war. Therefore no woman may compare with her in prowess, if she be a woman, not a god, come down in answer to our prayers. Yes, of one blood be all the race of men, yet unto diverse labors still they turn, and that for each is evermore the best, whereto he brings skill of use and want. Therefore do you from tumult of the fray hold you aloof, and in your women's bowers before the loom still pace you to and fro, and war shall be the business of our lords. Lo, a fair issue is their hope. We see the Achaeans falling fast, we see the might of our men waxing ever. Fear is none of evil issue now, the pitiless foe beleaguer not the town. No desperate need there is that women should go forth to war. So cried she, and they hearkened to the words of her who had garnered wisdom from the years. So from afar they watched the fight. But still Penthesilea broke the ranks, and still before her quailed the Achaeans. Still they found nor screen nor hiding place from imminent death. 
as bleeding goats are by the blood-stained jaws of a grim panther torn, so slain were they. In each man's heart all lust of battle died, and fear alone lived. This way, that way, fled the panic-stricken, some to earth had flung the armor from their shoulders, some in dust groveled in terror beneath their shields, the steeds fled through the rout unreined of charioteers, in rapture of triumph charged the Amazons, with groan and scream of agony died the Greeks, withered their manhood was in that sore strait, Brief was the span of all whom that fierce maid mid the grim jaws of battle overtook. And when with mighty uproaring bursts down a storm upon the forest trees, and some uprend by the roots, and on the earth dashes them down, the tail sterns blossom crowned, and snaps some athwart the trunk, and high whirls them through the air, till all confused they lie a ruin of splintered stems and shattered sprays. So the great Danian host lay, dashed to dust by doom of fate, by Penthesilea's spear. But when the very ships were now at point to be by the hands of Trojans set aflame, then... Battle-bider Ajax heard afar the panic cries and spoke to Iacus's son. Achilles, all the air about mine ears is full of multitudinous cries, is full of thunder of battle rolling nearer. Yes, let us go forth then, ere the Trojans win unto the ships and make great slaughter there of Argive men and set the ships aflame. Foulest reproach such thing on thee and me should bring, but it beseems not that the seed of mighty Zeus should shame the sacred blood of hero fathers, who themselves of old with Hercules the battle-eager sailed to Troy, and smote her even at her height of glory when Laomedon was king. Yes, and I ween that our hands even now shall do the like. We too are mighty men." He spoke, the aweless strength of Iacus' son hearkened thereto, for also to his ears by this the roar of bitter battle came. Then hastened both, and donned their warrior gear, all splendor gleaming now, in these arrayed facing that stormy, tossing rout they stand, loud clash their glorious armor. In their souls a battle fury like the war god's wrath maddened. Such might was breathing into these two by a tritony, shaker of the shield as on they passed. With joy the Argives saw the coming of that mighty two. They seemed in semblance like Elias' sons, who in the old time made that haughty vaunt of piling on Olympus's brow the height of Ossa, steeply towered and the crest of sky encountering Pelion, so to rear a mountain stair for their rebellious rage to scale the highest heaven. Huge as these the sons of Iacus seemed, as forth they strode to stem the tide of war. A gladsome sight to friends who have fainted for their coming, now onward they pressed to crush triumphant foes. Many they slew amid the corpses feeding, far from help of shepherds, and in heaps on heaps slay them till they have drunk into the full of blood and filled their maws insatiate with flesh. So those destroyers, too, slew on spreading wide havoc through the hosts of Troy. 
There Diochus and gallant Hylas fell by Ajax slain, and fell Euronymus, lover of war, and goodly Aeneas died. But Peleus' son burst on the Amazons, smiting on Tondri and Polymusa then, and Tibroti, fierce-souled Hippothoe, hurling Harmothoe down on sisters slain. Then hard on all their reeling ranks he pressed with Telamon's mighty-hearted son, and now before their hands battalions dense and strong crumbled as weakly and as suddenly as when in mountain folds the forest breaks shrivel before a tempest-driven fire. When battle-eager Penthesilea saw these two, as through the scourging storm of war, like ravening beasts they rushed, to meet them there she sped, as when a leopard grim, whose mood is deadly, leaps from forest coverts forth, lashing her tail on hunters closing round, while these, in armor clad and putting trust in their long spears, await her lightning leap, so did those warriors, too, with spears upswung, wait. Penthesilea. Clanged the brazen plates about their shoulders as they moved, and first leapt the long-shafted lance sped from the hand of goodly Penthesilea. Straight it flew to the shield of Iacus's son, but glancing thence this way and that, she the shivered fragment sprang as from a rock face. Of such temper were the cunning-hearted fire god's gifts divine. Then in her hand the warrior maid swung up a second javelin fury-winged against Ajax, and with fierce words defied the two. Ha! From my hand in vain one lance has leapt, but with this second look I suddenly to quell the strength and courage of two foes. Yes, though you vaunt, you mighty man of war, amid your Danians, die you shall, and so lighter shall be the load of war's affliction that lies upon the Trojan chariot lords. Draw nigh, come through the press to grips with me, so shall you learn what might wells up in breasts of Amazons. With my blood is mingled war, no mortal man begot me, but the lord of war insatiate of the battle cry. Therefore, my might is more than any man's. With scornful laughter spoke she, then she hurled her second lance, but they in utter scorn laughed now, as swiftly flew the shaft and smote the silver greave of Ajax, and was foiled thereby, and all its fury could not scar the flesh within, for fate had ordered not that any blade of foes should taste the blood of Ajax in the bitter war. But he wrecked of the Amazon not, but turned him thence to rush upon the Trojan host and left Penthesilea unto Peleus' son alone. For well he knew his heart within that she, for all her prowess, nonetheless would cost Achilles' battle toil as light, as effortless, as does the dove, the hawk. Then groaned she an angry groan that she had sped her shafts in vain, and now with scoffing speech to her in turn the son of Peleus spoke. Woman, with what vain vauntings triumphing has you come forth against us, all athirst to battle with us who be mightier far than earth-born heroes. We from Kronos's son, the thunder-roller, boast our high descent. Yes, even Hector quailed the battle-swift before us, even though far away he saw our onrush to grim battle. Yes, my spear slew him for all his might, but you— 
your heart is utterly mad that you have greatly dared to threaten us with death this day. On you, your latest hour shall swiftly come, is come. You, not your sire, the war god, now shall pluck out of my hand. But you, the debt, shall pay a, a dark doom. As when mid-mountain folds a pricket meets a lion, waster of herds. What, woman, have you heard not of the heaps of slain that into Xanthus's rushing stream were thrust by these my hands? Or have you heard in vain, because the blessed ones have stolen wit and discretion from you, to the end that doom's relentless gulf might gape for you? He spoke, he swung up in his mighty hand and sped the long spear warrior slaying, wrought by Chiron, and above the right breast pierced the battle-eager maid. Then red blood leapt forth as a fountain wells, and all at once fainted the strength of Penthesilea's limbs, dropping the great battle-axe from her nerveless hand. A mist of darkness overveiled her eyes, and anguish thrilled her soul. Yet even so still drew she difficult breath, still dimly saw the hero even now in act to drag her from the swift steed's back. Confusedly she thought, or shall I draw my mighty sword and bide Achilles' fiery onrush, or hastily cast me from my fleet horse down to earth, and kneel unto this godlike man, and with wild breath promise for ransoming great heaps of brass and gold, which pacify the hearts of victors, never so a thirst for blood, if haply so the murderous might of Iacus's son may hearken and may spare, or peradventure may compassionate my youth, and so vouchsafe me to behold my home again, for oh, I long to live. So surged the wild thoughts in her, but the gods ordained it otherwise. Even now rushed on in terrible anger Peleus's son. He thrust with sudden spear and on its shaft impaled the body of her tempest-footed steed. Even as a man in haste to sup might pierce flesh with the spit above the glowing hearth to roast it, or as in a mountain glade a hunter sends the shaft of death clear through the body of a stag with such winged speed that the fierce dart leaps forth beyond to plunge into the tall stem of an oak or pine, so that death-ravening spear of Peleus's son clear through the goodly steed rushed on and pierced. Penthesilea. Straightway she fell down to the dust of the earth, the arms of death in grace and comeliness fell, for naught of shame dishonored her fair form. Face down she lay on the long spear, out gasping her last breath, stretched upon that fleet horse as, as on a couch, like some tall pine snapped, by the icy mane of Boreas, earth's forest fosterling, reared by a spring to stately height amidst long mountain glens, a, a glory of Mother Earth. So from the once fleet steed, low fallen, lay Penthesilea, all her shattered strength brought down to this, and all her loveliness.
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, was bought it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. It's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one, Dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, 
a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. When the Trojans saw the warrior queen struck down in battle, ran through all their lines a shiver of panic. Straightway to their walls turned they in flight, heart agonized with grief. As when on the wide sea beneath buffetings of storm blasts, castaways whose ship is wrecked escape, a remnant of a crew forspent with desperate conflict with the cruel sea, late and at last appears the land hard by, appears a city faint and weary limbs with that grim struggle through the surf, they strain to land, sore grieving for the good ship lost and shipmates whom the terrible surge dragged down to nether gloom. So, Troyward, as they fled from the battle, all those Trojans wept for her, the child of the resistless war god, wept for friends who died in groan-resounding fight. Then over her with scornful laugh the son of Peleus vaunted, in the dust lie there a prey to teeth of dogs, to raven's beaks, you wretched thing, who cozened you to come forth against me, and who thought you to fare home from the war alive, to bear with your right royal gifts from Priam, the old king, your guerdon for slain Argives. <laughs> it was not the immortals who inspired you with this thought, who know that I, of heroes mightiest am, the Danaeans' light of safety. But a woe to Trojans and to you, O oh, evil starred. No, but it was the darkness shrouded fates and your own folly of soul that pricked you on to leave the works of women and to fare to war, from which strong men shrink shuddering back. So spoke he and his ashen spear the son of Peleus drew from that swift horse and from Penthesilea in death's agony. Then steed and rider gasped their lives away, slain by one spear. Now from her head he plucked the helmet's splendor flashing like the beams of the greatest sun or Zeus's own glory light. Then as there had fallen in dust and blood she lay, rose like the breaking of the dawn to view beneath dainty penciled brows a lovely face, lovely in death. The Argives thronged around, and all they saw and marveled, for she seemed like an immortal. In her armor, there upon the earth, she lay and seemed the child of Zeus, the tireless huntress, Artemis sleeping, what time her feet forwearied are, with the following lions, with her flying shafts over the hills far stretching. She was made a wonder of beauty, even in her death, by Aphrodite glorious crowned, the bride of the strong war god, to the end that he, the noble son of Peleus, might be pierced with the sharp arrow of repentant love. The warriors gazed, and in their hearts they prayed that fair and sweet like her their wives might seem, laid on the bed of love, when home they won. 
Yes, and Achilles' very heart was wrung with love's remorse to have slain a thing so sweet, who might have borne her home, his queenly bride, to chariot glorious Phythia, for she was flawless, a very daughter of the gods, divinely tall and most divinely fair. Then Ares' heart was thrilled with grief and rage for his child slain. Straight from Olympus down he darted, swift and bright as thunderbolts, terribly flashing from the mighty hand of Zeus, far leaping over the trackless sea or flaming over the land while shudders all wide Olympus as it passes. So through the quivering air with heart aflame swooped Ares, armor-clad, soon as he heard the dread doom of his daughter. For the gales, the north wind's fleet-footed daughters bear to him as through the wide halls of the sky he strode the tidings of the maiden's woeful end. Soon as he heard it, like a tempest blast, down to the ridges of Ida leapt, he quaked under his feet, the long glens and ravines deep scored, all Ida's torrent beds and all far-stretching foothills. Now had Ares brought a day of mourning on the Myrmidons, but Zeus himself from far Olympus sent mid-shattering thunders, terror of levin bolts, which thick and fast leaped through the welkin down before his feet, blazing with fearful flames. And Ares saw and knew the stormy threat of the mighty thundering father, and he stayed his eager feet, now on the very brink of battle's turmoil as when some huge crag thrust from a beetling cliff brow by the winds and torrent rains or lightning lance of Zeus leaps like a wild beast and in the mountain glens fling back their crashing echoes as it rolls in mad speed on, as with resistless swoop of bound on bound it rushes down until it comes to the levels of the plain, and there perforce its stormy flight is stayed. So Ares, battle-eager son of Zeus, was stayed. How loath soever for all the gods to the ruler of the blessed needs must yield, seeing he sits high-throned above them all, clothed in his might unspeakable. Yet still many a wild thought surged through Ares' soul, urging him now to dread the terrible threat of Cronus's wrathful son and to return heavenward, and now to wreck not of his sire, but with Achilles' blood to stain those hands, the battle tireless. At the last his heart remembered how that many and many a son of Zeus himself in many a war had died, nor in their fall had Zeus availed them aught. Therefore, he turned from the Argives, else down smitten by the blasting thunderbolt, with titans in the nether gloom he had lain, who dared defy the eternal will of Zeus. Then did the warrior sons of Argos strip with eager haste from corpses strewn all round the blood-stained spoils. But ever Peleus' son gazed, wild with all regret, still gazed on her, the strong, the beautiful, laid in the dust, and all his heart was wrung, was broken down with sorrowful love, deep, strong, as he had known when that beloved friend Patroclus died. Loud, jeering Thersites, mocking to his face, you sorry-souled Achilles are not shamed to let some evil power beguile your heart to pity of a pitiful Amazon whose furious spirit proposed naught but ill to us and ours? 
<laughs> Woman, mad are you and your soul lusts for this thing, as she were some lady wise in household ways with gifts and pure intent for honored wedlock wooed. Good had it been had her spear reached your heart, the heart that sighs for woman creatures still. You care not, unmanly souled, not you for valor's glorious path, when once your eyes lights on a woman. Sorry, wretch, where now is all your goodly prowess? Where your wit, and where the might that should beseem a king all stainless? Do you not know what misery this selfsame woman madness wrought for Troy? Nothing there is to men more ruinous than lust for women's beauty. It makes fools of wise men, but the toil of war attains renown. To him that is an, a hero indeed, glory of victory, and the war god's works are sweet. It's but a battle blencher craves the beauty and the bed of such as she. So railed he long and loud, the mighty heart of Peleus' son leapt into flame of wrath. A sudden buffet of his resistless hand smote beneath the railer's ear, and all his teeth were dashed to the earth. He fell upon his face, forth of his lips the blood in torrent gushed, swift from his body fled the dastard soul of that vile man. Achaia's sons rejoiced, for yes, he want to rail on each and all with venomous jibes, himself a scandal and the shame of all the host. Then, mid the warrior Argives cried a voice, Not good is it for baser men to rail on kings, or secretly or openly, for wrathful retribution swiftly comes. The lady of justice sits on high, and she who heaps woe on woe on humankind, even Ate punishes the shameless tongue. So mid the Danians cried a voice, nor yet within the mighty soul of Peleus' son lulled with the storm of wrath, but fiercely he spoke, Lie there in dust, your follies all forgot. It's not for knaves to beard their betters. Once you did provoke Odysseus, steadfast soul, babbling with venomous tongue a thousand jibes, and did escape with life. But you have fought the sons of Peleus, not so patient-souled who with one only buffet from his hands unkennels you the dog of your soul. A bitter doom has swallowed you, but your own rascalry, your life is sped. Hence from Achaean men and mouth out your revilings amid the dead. So spoke the valiant-hearted Aulus son of Iacus, but Tydeus's son alone of all the Argives was with anger stirred against Achilles for Thersites slain, Seeing these two were the selfsame blood, the one proud Tydeus' battle-eager son, the other seed of godlike Agrius, brother of noble Aeneas, Agrius was, and Aeneas in the Danian land begat Tydeus, the battle-eager, son to whom was stalwart Diomedes. Therefore, wroth was he for slain Thersites. Yes, had raised against the son of Peleus vengeful hands, except the noblest of Achaea's sons had thronged around him, and besought him sore, and held him back therefrom. With Peleus's son also they pleaded, else those mighty two, the mightiest of all Argives, were at point to close with clash of swords. So stung were they with bitter wrath, yet hearkened they at last to prayers of comrades, and were reconciled. 
Then of their pity did the Atreides kings, for these two at the imperial loveliness of Penthesilea marveled, render up her body to the men of Troy, to bear unto the burge of Ilus, fair renowned with all her armor. For a herald came asking this boon for Priam, for the king longed with deep yearning of the heart to lay that battle-eager maiden with her arms and with her war-horse in the great earth-mound of old Laomedon. And so he heaped a high, broad pyre without the city wall, upon the height thereof that warrior queen they laid, and costly treasures did they heap around her, all that well beseems to burn around a mighty queen in battle slain. And so the fire god's swift upleaping might, the ravening flame, consumed her. All around the people stood on every hand and quenched the pyre with odorous wine. Then gathered they the bones and poured sweet ointment over them and laid them in a casket. All over shed they the rich fat of a heifer, chief among the herds that grazed on Ida's slope. And as for a beloved daughter rang all round the Trojan men's heart-stricken wail, as by the stately wall they buried her on an outstanding tower beside the bones of old Laomedon, a queen beside a king, this honor for the war god's sake they rendered, and for Penthesilea's own. And in the plain beside her they buried the Amazons, even all that followed her to battle, and by Argive spears were slain. For Atreus's sons begrudge not these the boon of tear-besprinkled graves, but let their friends, the warrior Trojans, draw their corpses forth. Yes, and their own slain also from amidst the wrath, swath of darts over that grim harvest field. Wrath strikes not at the dead, pitied our foes when life has fled, and left them foes no more. Far off across the plain the while uprose smoke, from the pyres whereon the Argives laid the many heroes overthrown and slain by Trojan hands, what time the sword devoured, and multitudinous lamentation wailed over the perished. But above the rest mourned they over brave Podarches, who in fight was no less mighty than his hero brother Potisileus, he who long ago fell, slain of Hector. So Podarches now, struck down by Penthesilea's spear, has cast over all Argive hearts the pall of grief. Wherefore, apart from him they laid in clay the common throng of slain, but over him toiling they heaped an earth mound far descried in memory of a warrior all assouled, and in a several pit withal they thrust the nittering Thersites' wretched corpse. Then to the ships, acclaiming Iacus' son, returned they all. But when the radiant day had plunged beneath the ocean stream, and night, the holy, overspread the face of earth, then in the rich King Agamemnon's tent feasted the might of Peleus's son, and there sat at the feast those other mighty ones all through the dark, till rose the dawn divine. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Wasn't that fun? I was right. It's so much fun. 
Uh, I'm really excited to keep going with this. So in a couple of weeks, we will have book two. There will be a gap for a little bit because I've got some big plans and schemes for upcoming series of episodes, including an entire month series on the Bronze Age. It's going to be fun. Um, but otherwise, we're going to keep going with this reading series because it was incredible. And Penthesilea is a fucking badass. And actually, this whole first book was like really awesome to women, you know, comparatively. Like, there was mad respect for all the Amazons there. I mean, not from Achilles, but he's a piece of shit. But from the Trojans. And mad respect by, to those Trojan women who were like, nah, we're going to go out and fuck shit up. And then the one who's like, you know what? We can fuck shit up in our own way, but maybe we haven't trained for this and we will die. Which, you know, not wrong. Not wrong. Um, You know, men are not inherently better, but in this case, the men have trained. And Theano got that. It was a good warning. Anyway, I really loved this opening book, and so I'm really excited. This is probably one of the only ones that I've actually read before because I've done a whole, you know, episode on Achilles and Penthesilea, and then there's more coming up from Memnon that I know I've read. But otherwise, I've not read this whole work, so I'm so excited to to read it along with you guys. All right, that was great. Let's talk about Miss Baby is written and produced by me, Liv Albert. Michaela Smith is the Hermes to my Olympians, better known as the assistant producer. Laura Smith is now the production assistant and audio engineer. The podcast is part of the iHeart Podcast Network. Listen on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Help me continue bringing you the world of Greek mythology and the ancient Mediterranean by becoming a patron, where you will get bonus episodes and more. Visit patreon.com slash mythsbaby or click the link in this episode's description. I am Liv, and I love this shit. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. 
You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today.